0: Hello, are you on
1: here? I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I'm so excited to have you.
1: Well, I'm so excited you asked me to be on. (laughs) It's very exciting that you're doing this.
0: And you are my first guest.
1: Wow, lucky me. How about that?
0: So, I have the pleasure of having Dr. Daniel C. Potts on Into Creative Aging Minds. And Dr. Potts and I go back to 2009 when I was living out in the East Coast. And what inspired me was his interest in art therapy and Alzheimer's disease. And I could have a week's worth of episodes interviewing this man because he is a jack of all trades and does everything and is multi-talented. But first, I'd like to just ask, first off, what inspires you? In life, as a neurologist and as a human being yourself, and as we're aging, working in an aging population, um, what are the things that spark your interest? What keeps you motivated in life?
1: Wow, what a great question to start off with! Uh, boy, you're not cutting me any slack, do you? That's a that's a that's a wonderful. <laughs> one. We could spend the whole podcast on the, on, on that. Um, well. Wow, and you know I, I think about I think about you and your many interests and the inspiring things that you do, and you're so excited and passionate about the things that you do and so that that's one of the things that motivates me as well is people like you who are in my circle of friends, my circle of colleagues who I can watch and learn from um, as they stay inspired as you know in the things that they do so i one of the things that I do is I try to draw off of those inspiring people in my life. But Angel, I'll tell you, being a neurologist is, is challenging, but so rewarding. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. say, why, why would you want to go into neurology? You know, your, your patients have chronic diseases. they are a lot of them are elderly and you, you can't cure that many things. Well, um, First of all, I would say some of that is changing, and there's, there's, as you're aware, there's so much neurologic research going on, and we've got many effective therapies now. But I love to be with patients, with their care partners, walking along beside them through these through these challenges that they have. I find it so inspiring, and as you know, uh, we learn so much from our patients, and we're inspired by our patients. And so, one of my primary motivators is is being with these wonderful people that that are, you know, still fighting and still waking up every day and still turning another page in their chapter book, even though they have chronic illnesses. So so that's 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 one of the things also, um, and also sci- the science of it. I love the science of neurology. I, I love um, learning about uh, the brain and the nervous system and and staying up on research and being able to to tell a patient. You know, there's something new that may be a treatment for your condition. Let's talk about that. And, you know, um, and professionally, I would say those are the things. But then also, Angel, I just, you know, I'm so grateful. I'd say gratitude sort of encompasses all of it. My personal life, my, um, my, my job, my family, um, just the world we live in, even though a lot of bad things are going on. I'm grateful to be alive.
0: Yeah. Well, and I have to give you a perk because you have been awarded most compassionate doctor over many years. And that's not an easy, that's not an easy feat. So how, what makes you, you know, what makes you different? How, what is it about your style as a physician that would have patients you know, giving you a award for being most compassionate, you know, what do you, what, what is your typical day? I mean, how, how do you interact with patients?
1: Well, I am I'm humbled by that and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for it and, and I don't, there's nothing special about me, but I, but I, but I do try, I guess the main thing is I try to come in with humility you know, come into every encounter realizing that I um, have been privileged to be here with this person today. That that I don't want them to leave here not better off than they were when they came here. Um, I, I want to try to share hope. I want to try to lift them up, and I want to let them know that I care because I do care. I mean, you know, you know, a lot of the things that we do as physicians. Are not necessarily involving treatments, pharma, pharmaceutical agents that we're given that we're giving our patients, but it's letting folks know that we want them to be better, that we're trying to help them be well. And being well doesn't necessarily mean be cured; it means living well. So, I mean, I come into it grateful, trying to help somebody uh, live better than they than they were when they came in. And, you know, I was raised by parents that um, that that taught me to, you know, to to be kind. And, you know, I had the example of my parents and their community. And, um, you know, I, I think I think kindness goes a long way.
0: That's awesome. And I, we don't see a lot of that in physicians, unfortunately. Um, and you are a rare breed. And I think, you know, we are lucky to have you. Thank you for all that you do. And you, you have a tough job. You know, you also work with veterans in dealing with PTSD and disease and chronic pain and dementia. You know, how, how, how is that for you as a neurologist working, you know, working with veterans?
1: Well, um, I thank you for for your acknowledgement of that. And and I will tell you, um, I've been in the VA for seven years. Um, It is an incredibly rewarding experience. It's also um, a painful experience in some ways because I see really up close what these folks have been through, uh, their tremendous um, courage. Uh, the um, their their service to, to our country, in uh, the cause of freedom, um, and and in many cases, uh, it has almost destroyed their physical bodies, uh, but they're still going, and and so I, I'm inspired by by them. But I will tell you, you know, going back as you know, of course, to to my dad's Alzheimer's disease and, and how that changed me as a person because I saw that, uh, I saw that very closely and what my mother had to go through as his care partner. You can double that when someone is dealing with PTSD, um, traumatic brain injury, military traumas that they've been through, combat related traumas, all that stuff. It, it compounds the issue so much as you know, I mean, um, in the middle of the night if 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 some someone is living with dementia, you know nights are it can be bad anyway, but if somebody also is dealing with PTSD uh, and the the uh, incredible um, dreams that they have and and uh, reliving some of those experiences, it can be very very tough for care partners and for 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 veterans so it it's been it's been opening you know mo i'd say I don't know that most of my patients, but many of my patients have PTSD, and if they don't have PTSD, they have trauma-related psychological issues from from their military experiences. Well, that compounds the problem, and of course, um, PTSD is uh, is a risk factor for dementia, as you know, and uh, in fact, veterans have a higher incidence of dementia, too, so um, a lot going on.
0: Yes. And so with that, that's going to lead right into my next question is because, you know, we're dealing with, you know, veterans as well as other persons, you know, without military who um, are in the throes of these types of diseases. And how do we improve quality of life? Because it's like, you know, we are living with this disease, but you don't have to live in complete misery all the time. So, one of the other things about you that I think is is unique is your embracing of the arts and the importance of creativity on the brain so how do you how 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 as an and that's rare for a physician too to be both you know i'm i'm a medic- i'm a doctor but for doctors to look at creativity as medicine, they typically don't do that. It's a rare, again, a rare breed. So how, what was it about the powers of art and creativity that got you into thinking that this is a form of medicine and treatment?
1: Well, I will have to say that, that you played a big role in that, and, and I'll get to that in just a second. I think, of course, as you know, um, I've always been involved uh, with the arts, even from a from a young child, my mother was a voice teacher and piano teacher and uh, my grandmother was an artist and and so i you know i I've, I've always um, been drawn to that and and been creative but um of course, the thing that really got a hold of me was my dad's alzheimer 's disease and the fact that he became an artist or I guess he was always an artist, and we didn 't know it but he started painting watercolors. While attending a, an adult daycare center for 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 people with dementia, and so Dad painted over a hundred watercolors. We didn't know he could paint, and mm-hmm. and Angel, as you know that 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 showed me that um, there was power in this because it made him better, and not only did it make him better, but it made all of us better because Papa now had something to be proud of again. You know, everything was about loss. Everything was about pain everything was about hopelessness but then came the art and it just buoyed everybody up and so um it, it really showed me that there's power in this and then shortly so I began to try to read everything I could about it talk to people and then one day out of the blue I get a call from an angel Duncan an art therapist that i would never heard of who, who who wants to talk to me about dad's story about art therapy so you have taught me so much Uh, as have other art therapists, uh, many of whom you've introduced me to, uh, uh, about the power of not only art therapy, but also the other expressive arts as well. So much is known about music, but we have drama, we have poetry, we have uh, movement, we have all of these other types of therapies. And the data is amassing that these are uh, beneficial and that these help people live well. So that's kind of it in a nutshell.
0: Thank you. Um, And this also leads to perseverance uh, for those art therapists out there who are listening. So I was working in Manhattan and had a magazine thrown at me and said, Hey, you might like this article on art. So I was like, okay. So I get this magazine literally thrown at my desk. So I open it up and I'm just like, I have to know this man. And so I look him up and find his office number. And the secretary says, um, who are you (laughs) (laughs) Explain who I am? And I'm just trying to introduce myself and like to meet him. And she says, okay. So she puts me to his office front desk and nobody answers. And it goes back to her and she says, well, that's weird that she's not answering. And she goes, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and put you through. And she put me through to your personal voicemail. And that's when I got to, to to meet, you know, to meet you. And then you, when you actually reached out to me, it was just like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. So for those art therapists out there, if you find a physician that embraces the arts and you want to contact them, make that contact. This is how that collaborative effort. The sciences and the arts need each other. So it has just been I. When you came into my life, it just completely blessed my life in a huge, profound way. And I've learned just as much from you and with your dad and the things that he's done and the work that we've done together. So for those that are listening, Dr. Potts started Cognitive Dynamics Foundation. And this program is, is a foundation built on the supportive efforts of creativity, of art therapy. And with that, we took it a step further and developed what was called bringing art to life. And I'd like Dr. Potts to talk about this. First of all, what got you interested? What, what was the motivation of you developing bringing art to life? And why was it important for our children, our future physicians and sh- future healthcare professionals to know about Alzheimer's disease and to know about the arts?
1: Well, uh, I, I, the motivation started really with dad. And, and with me seeing firsthand what the art did for him and by extension for all of us who knew him, uh, it improved quality of life, it improved relationships, it improved communication, it gave dad something to be proud of, it treated depression, all those things that we know it does. So after dad passed away of Alzheimer's and we had all this art in the story, I began to think, how can we use this both to help other people like dad and other people like mother, but also to to train and educate young people and to get them in relationships with folks that have dementia. So um, we began to think about educational programs. And of course, this is when you you got involved as well. And we're in on the planning uh, efforts of this bringing art to life program. And in bringing art to life in a nutshell, basically pairs students with people who are living with dementia, of various causes. uh, And, it It not only trains the students about dementias uh, and including the science uh, communication techniques for people with dementia sort of prepares them to meet uh, people with dementia and then it actually we actually pair them up with folks that are living with dementia, usually in an uh, uh, a dementia daycare center or an assisted living or even at home and over several weeks we have them develop a relationship, and we have an art therapist that does weekly art therapy. In some cases, we just do the directives, of course, at home with the students. We train the students to do that. But at the end of a semester, say, we have new friends. We have, we have intergenerational relationships. We have art. We have improved quality of life. People are, uh, people are joyful about this. And, and I think it, it, the primary thing for the students, it builds empathy. And I think this empathy is so important for our healthcare personnel, as you know. I mean, being in a relationship with somebody that's living with a chronic illness like this, it changes these kids and it, it, it makes them understand to some degree what they're going through so that then it can build that compassion that we talked about earlier. So I think it's essential. I really do.
0: I totally agree. And I'm not biased. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it is. And the type of students that we target are, these are college students. And then we did a program in Chicago with high school students. And these are people interested in, in becoming doctors and social workers. So our pre-med majors. And we, you know, we, the, t- the 10 years that this program has been going on has just been phenomenal. And and it really has changed Students' lives, and one of the awesome things too is that at the end of the semester, we celebrate the person that they got to work with, and you know they're they are given a scrapbook of of the of a digital what is it the voice library?
1: Yeah, we've we've used LifeBio, we've used uh, life bio the voice library, and then we actually have made just scrapbooks. We've also made just just scrapbooks. Um, of all-
0: all the images of the work that the person's done and their gifts, and it just really, and then this, the emails and the letters that students have both have sent to 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 Dr. Potts and myself have just been saying, "I am going to be a more compassionate, better doctor because of this course." So it's a need, absolutely, and it would not be possible without you being a physician and, and being an influence, not only on these students, but on your own peers?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, Angel, I, I, I don't think that in general, we do a good job as physicians um, helping people live well with dementia. I don't, I think that uh, we don't do a good job of giving people the diagnosis. We don't do a good job of giving them the tools that they need to live. Well, we don't support caregivers. Well, and, and I, I know this because of, of talking to people living with dementia that have been through it and uh, the Dementia Action Alliance and Dementia Alliance International and other organizations where I've been able to meet people living with this to say, you know, the day I was diagnosed was the worst day uh, of my life. And, and, and part of that is because we don't have the kind of empathy and compassion we should as physicians. And so I think if we catch them early, catch them when they're students, um, catch trainees, and teach them these these techniques, you can build and grow empathy. And we know our program does that because of the research we've done on it. So I think it's very, very important.
0: That's right. I'm glad you brought that up because that's important. Because, of course, everybody wants to know, especially colleges, universities, and these types of care facilities want to see evidence-based research. And we have the research behind that.
1: Right. In fact,
0: the um, Alzheimer's Association's International Conference have highlighted the work that our students have done in the program, and um, as well as is it the GSA that they, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that's right, the Society of America. So mm-hmm. it's it's a huge, it's so important, and it is, and I think that more people should be involved, and I think it should be an ethical responsibility to equip our our, our trained students going into the field. On the importances of of human connection and the psyche and spiritual component, not just popping pills and 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 looking at an MRI or PET scan, you know. So it's it's treating the organics of disease as well as fostering the mind and the spirit. That's right. That's where both come in. So for those who are interested in learning more about bringing art to life and learning more about the cognitive dynamics foundation. You can go to the website, dot CognitiveDynamics.org.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. So
0: I encourage you to look us up. And Dr. Potts is probably one of the most essential people out there. And I don't know how you even sleep and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> you are so sought after. Um, and the work you do is just absolutely amazing. And I want to ask you, um, what advice would you have for those, you know, who are living with disease or for those who are not living with disease? What are some advice you have for people out there on what they can do to manage a, a positive lifestyle as a neurologist?
1: Well, you know, um, and you, you know about this as well, Alzheimer's, my dad's Alzheimer's disease almost broke me, you know. Um, it, uh, it, it really did. It, it, the way I coped with it was not healthy and it almost destroyed my, my spirit. And so um, fortunately after that, with some, some good guidance from a lot of people and with my faith background, um, I've been able to reclaim and grow the spiritual part of me. And, and really the walk through Alzheimer's disease has been all the time, but certainly I realize now is a spiritual journey for me and has been for me. Um, and so I, I really, t- I, I really uh, in everything I do or most of what I do now, I try to see that element in it, so um I try to get enough exercise I try to get outside as much as possible. I try to enjoy nature uh, I enjoy pets, I enjoy my family, I do a lot of creating myself I write a journal, I write poems, I write songs i uh, I take photographs uh, i i i I surround myself with healthy relationships uh, and I take care of my spiritual side so so what i'm what I'm saying is you've got to to try to be well yourself and, and you and, and and mindfulness. I practice mindfulness. So it's very important. We can't take care of anybody else if we don't take care of ourselves and the compassion we talked about, it has to be first extended to you, to yourself, I think, before you can extend it to somebody else. So, um, I try to cut myself a break now. I haven't always done that angel. Um, the one thing I'm still working on and I've not done very good job is getting enough sleep. That's, that's, you know that's essential, and and I don't do well with that. You but...
0: specialize in sleep disorders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you would think you would think I could handle that, but it's 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 tough. But you got to okay. take care of yourself. You got you got to love yourself, and um, you know, the spiritual side of things is 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 really what life is all about.
0: Absolutely, well said. And I have to also give you another plug because you have your poetry is amazing, and you also. You know, you sing and yeah. you play keyboard, you play piano and you've written a lot of books and, you know, you write your books on poetry, you put the art with it. But you you and also have some books that you wrote on caregiving tips.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. A a, a pocket guide for the Alzheimer's caregiver written with my wife, Ellen. Um, we and I she and I have had eight family members, not just my dad, uh, with with dementia. She was a childhood caregiver for some, for some of the folks in her family with dementia. So we wrote that. And with Dr. Marie Marley, um, I wrote finding joy in Alzheimer's, it's a strange title, but, uh, you can understand that from the things we've been talking about, uh, it's possible to, uh, there, there's joy there that, 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 can be unleashed. So, um, you know, and, uh, and with Dr. Richard Morgan, Dr. Morgan, uh, retired Presbyterian minister in Pennsylvania, got some of dad's art and began to show it to people, living with Alzheimer's and other dementias in assisted living facilities. And they woke up looking at dad's art and began to talk about their, their childhood and stuff like that. So it's, it's been my good fortune to, to, to have other people um, to, to write with. And and of course, Seasons of Caring, which is the first uh, multi-faith devotional book for caregivers, care partners uh, by Us Against Alzheimer's. I was able to edit that with some friends. And so, Listen, I, I uh, I'm just fortunate, you know. I, I creativity is very important to me, and and it sort of buoys me on.
0: Where can where are your books available? If somebody that on Amazon, or they're
1: all on they're all on Amazon. I've got an author page there. If you just uh, if you just put in my name, Daniel C. Potts, on the Amazon website, it will take you to an author page, and and all of all of them are there, including the books of poetry.
0: Great, and they're awesome. I I, I own every one. <laughs> <So. laughs> That I well, you're, to
1: you're quite a writer too, my friend. Thank and you, you, you know, we've, we've, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been inspired by your writing, and you've written for the Huffington Post and and uh, other organizations uh, about the the programming that we've done and and about much much else. And so, um takes one to know one.
0: Thank you. Well, we definitely share that passion. Um So with that, gosh, I feel like I could just go on and on. <laughs> There's just so much. <laughs> The cover, but um, but it's exciting. Oh, you actually, you feature, your father's artwork got featured in Beverly Hills. It did. How did that
1: happen? Well, it's it's interesting. You know, this was this was very early on. Dad had died in two thousand seven, and um, in two thousand eight, I had been uh, to a training program to learn how to be an advocate uh, for people living with neurological illnesses and their caregivers sponsored by the American Academy of Neurology, and there I met. Dr. Meryl Platzer, who is a neurologist in the Los Angeles area, whom you know well uh, as well. And so uh, Meryl told me she had a friend who was an art dealer in Beverly Hills, David Streets, and she thought he would be interested in some of Dad's art. She showed him some. Lo and behold, David called (laughs) and wanted to display Dad's art in Beverly Hills at his gallery and have an event to raise awareness for Alzheimer's and other dementias. So that's what we did, 2010. And it was a st- star-studded <laughs> evening. We look like the Beverly Hillbillies <laughs> driving in out here. from Alabama. Uh, from Alabama, we had a banjo and everything. But no, it was yeah. it was a wonderful event, and I thank Dr. Dr. Platzer and I thank David Streets, the late David Streets, and Barbara Lazaroff uh, and others that were involved in that in that wonderful event. That sort of set our foundation off too. So that was our first event
0: that was exciting, and to, for those who don't who don't know Alabama, that's where Dr. Potts works and resides. He is from uh, Alabama mm-hmm. and uh, had, and is all over the country. He speaks all over the country, his books, his writings, he is one of the greats, and it is an honor and a privilege to be in your company and thank you for all that you do.
1: Well, I don't deserve any of that, but I'm, I'm grateful to be uh, your first guest, and I'm thankful for you, Angel, and thank you for asking me to be on.
0: It's exciting, and I think that the more we can get out there and the more awareness that we're all sharing with one another, the more empowered we can all be. So, Absolutely. With that, if anybody has any remaining questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Again, you can also go to CognitiveDynamics.org. And check out the foundation. You can go to Amazon and check out Dr. Potts' books. And this man is a legend. And I'm just awesome to have him as my first guest. And I look forward to our continued future of education, awareness, and empowerment. Thank you, you Dr. Potts, for being on
1: here. Thank you for what you do, my friend. Have a great day.
0: You too. All right. bye -bye. Bye-bye. So that is into creative aging with Dr. Daniel C. Potts, amazing man. I am so fortunate to know him and please check out the website and until next time, continue to be creative.